Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about how to build a healthy romantic relationship all the way from before you even start dating, through the dating process, and into a long-term relationship. Helping you to avoid all the pitfalls and the mistakes that most people make that accounts for the extremely high divorce rate we see around the world these days. Hopefully by the end of this podcast you'll have everything you need to find that ideal person for you and make sure that relationship works well. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. So this is a fun topic for me to talk about because for most of my life I wouldn't have dared to give advice or guidance on this topic. Because I sucked at it. I sucked at every element of it, from being in the right mindset through to dating, maintaining a relationship, being in a relationship. I was terrible at all of those things for most of my life. But near the end of my 20s and my late 20s, I made some key psychological breakthroughs that opened up a whole new world for me, that helped me see everything that I was doing wrong, and not just that, everything that everybody does wrong. I can clearly see why we have such high divorce rates around the world these days and anywhere where marriages are not arranged. And I can see why dating is such a nightmare for people. The online dating world becoming a desperate pool of clingy, needy, damaged people who cannot stay together, who cannot find each other properly. I can see the matrix now. It doesn't mean I know everything. But I think I know enough now to give somebody a basic blueprint from start to finish as to what they need to do to end up in a long-term loving relationship with someone who's a great match for them and who enhances their life. And the reason I feel confident to do this these days is because I've done this so often now with so many of my clients. I've had so many clients come to me with zero sexual or romantic experience. And within a year, they've found someone that they can truly be themselves with, who loves them just for them, and they have an open, honest, and very healthy relationship that lasts over time. And this isn't a fluke. There is a formula that they are following. It's not a deceptive strategy, but an open, healthy, valued way of approaching love and relationships that kind of guarantees it's going to work out. So I'm going to split this up into kind of three stages. First off is the before, the preparation before you even consider dating or consider getting into a relationship. And then there's the kind of what you might call the dating experience, so I don't like calling it that, but the part where you're going around meeting people looking for romantic opportunities. And then there's the relationship. So this is where you've actually come to an agreement and a commitment with one particular person, and you're going to make that last and forego opportunities with other people for a similar level of connection. So when I talk about these different factors, what's driven me to bring these to this conversation? Uh, They are a direct result of observing all the common mistakes that people make. And what I'll be sharing with you today is essentially the cures or the remedies to those mistakes, the prevention measures as well as how to fix them when you accidentally make them. And you will make mistakes, I do too. But the quicker and more effectively that you respond to those mistakes and kind of clean up the mess, the more likely you are to develop healthy relationships. 
So first is the preparation. Before you even consider getting into a committed relationship with someone, I believe your first goal should be to become okay with being single. You have to at least get to a point where you, maybe being single for the rest of your life, is something you could handle. You don't need someone else to complete you. You don't need that validation from society of being someone who's not single, and so on. That should be the main piece of work, and frankly, if you can complete that piece of work, where you actually love being who you are as a single person, that's most of the work done for you. You will now be fully equipped and well-designed to make a good long-term relationship work. Now, being okay with being single doesn't mean just kind of tolerating an inability to find a partner. That's not what I mean. What I mean is you could have a partner, but you're also fine not having one. You know how to manage your life in such a way that it's enjoyable and fun for you and interesting and meaningful. There's no missing piece. So often, relationships are romanticized, especially by movies, as this idea of you finding the missing piece. You know, that you haven't been complete until you find the one. And that's bullshit. You need to get complete first. Then you're going to bring someone into your life and both of you will enhance each other's completeness. But if you're out there going, I'm missing a piece and someone needs to fill it, that means you are psychologically unhealthy at this point in time. And it would be very inconsiderate of you to bring that into someone else's life, to burden them with it. Just as it would be inconsiderate of them to burden you with it. So all your baggage needs to be checked in, if you know what I mean. If you've got bad patterns with partners, you need to sort that out. Like for me, I I had a pattern of very unstable and unavailable women. I tended to be attracted to just bad news, essentially. And I had to figure out why that was. And I did the work to find out that I had nice guy syndrome and that I was looking for women who were damaged that I could fix so that they would be dependent on me. I had a lot of work that needed to be done in that area. My very physical attraction itself was misfiring. I was being attracted to people who were bad for me. I had to get that shit sorted before I could even consider a relationship. You'll have patterns too. Maybe you always have abusive partners. Maybe your partners always cheat on you. Whatever it is, you'll have a pattern where you're like, I keep choosing the wrong person. Now that's you choosing. That's the problem. You're not, it's not bad luck. You're not like, huh, how did I get seven partners in a row who are all douchebags? What are the odds? Well, the odds are 100 to 100 because you're the one choosing them. That's you making that happen. You need to get that sorted first. What neediness or superficiality or fucked up beliefs do you have that lead you to choose damaged people? Or people who are not right for you? Or whatever. So before you even really get into dating, though dating will help you work through some of these issues, but definitely before you get into a committed relationship, you should be going in there, all your baggage is checked, you don't need anybody else to sort your shit out for you. A key mindset preparation, integrity first. If you want to have a great relationship and an enjoyable dating experience, you need to make a commitment here and now to your integrity. Living by your values, being honest, being who you're supposed to be, should take first place forever and always, over any partner, any friend, any family member, anything. 
you don't really have a guarantee of a great relationship until that commitment has been made. The first relationship is with yourself. Your other relationships will actually benefit from it. Everybody from friends through to partners through to children will benefit from you putting your integrity first over them, over their pleasure, over their needs and wants. That's what they need from you the most and that's what you need from you the most. You also need to be willing to lose your fantasy. You'll have an image in your head about who your ideal person is supposed to be and I'm telling you right now, you're fucking wrong. It's not going to be that person. I know you think it is, but it's really, it's not going to be that person. You'll have a checklist of how they have to be this tall and this rich and have this hobby and be funny and smart and blah, blah, blah. You'll have all the shit and all these physical attributes that they need to have. And I'm telling you right now, most if not all of that list is probably wrong. The real person who's going to be the real good fit for you is going to surprise you probably. They're not going to be a checklist with all the boxes ticked. Okay, they're going to be a real person who comes out of nowhere, seemingly, and shocks you with connection. So you have to let go of that list or at least hold on to it very lightly. Because unless you've had great, wonderful connections multiple times and you know really what it is that you click with, then your list is based on what? Bullshit. Guesses. Assumptions. Conditioning. Programming. Movies. Crap. Put it this way, if you're listening to this because you struggle to build wonderful, long-lasting romantic connections where you get to fully be yourself and the other person does too, then your list doesn't work. So ditch it. Or at least be prepared to ditch it. Be prepared for someone you're not totally physically attracted to, for example, to be the one. Or someone who's not into your same hobbies to be the one. Or like in my case, someone who's from the other side of the fucking planet. They might surprise you your particular person fuck what your mates think fuck what your parents say you should be with or your culture or your religion or your country let go of all that because the real person might be outside of all the categories that you're supposed to like another key element of preparation is around confrontations you need to be a good ender you need to be someone who can end things because then you can trust yourself to take risks If you know that you can bail out of something when it turns out to be wrong, you don't have to worry about getting involved with someone. You won't have that fear of commitment. Fear of commitment is often masters like a fear of freedom, like you won't get to do with you what you really want to do. But the truth is, it's a fear that you won't be able to end it if it's wrong. If you know you can end it, then there's no loss of freedom. So one of the practices that you should be getting into through the dating process possibly, but in other areas of your life as well, Can you end things? Can you confront people who cross your boundaries? Can you say no? You should be good at that stuff before you even really get into dating. Because then you can trust yourself to take risks and explore things and see people a few times before you make a judgment because you won't have that panic attack thinking, oh my god, it's all or nothing. And lastly, if you have severe emotional issues, get that shit sorted. Your partner is not your medicine. Okay, go see your GP, get therapy, go to a coach. Whatever it is that you got, get a handle on it. Be able to manage it by yourself before you get a partner. There are some okay relationships out there that are based on a kind of codependency. 
You know, I've seen, I don't know, I don't actually believe they're that good, but you got like, say, an obese person with someone who likes to feed them, right? That does work. Or you've got someone who's uh, severely emotionally unstable with someone who likes to control people's emotions. It can work, but it's not a healthy relationship. It's codependent. You fix each other, you need each other. This podcast is about finding someone that's healthy for you, someone who makes you a better person. So those are the basic principles of getting prepared. Now we're going to talk about dating. This is in no particular order, but overall your biggest problem in dating is probably going to be your fear of abandonment. And I've already talked about this in other pieces of content, but essentially a fear of abandonment will result in two types of behavior. Neediness, trying to pull people in and keep them. Or evasiveness and avoidance, trying to push people out and prevent them getting in too close. And most people with a fear of abandonment do both. They cling and chase and desperately needy trying to get someone. And then when they do get them, they start putting up walls and picking at their faults and doing anything they can to distance themselves emotionally so they can't get hurt. If you can solve this dilemma, your dating experience will be great. And dating as an experience can be where you practice solving this dilemma. Where you let people get in close, where you try not to chase people and let them decide for themselves and so on. And one key element to this when you're dating someone is at the end of any date or any sort of interaction with someone you like, just ask yourself, do I want to see them one more time? And this just one more time thing can last throughout your entire relationship all the way through to marriage and beyond. It does two things. One is it takes off all the pressure for a long-term commitment, the kind of thing that makes the avoidant people run away. So you can say, look, I'm not saying I want to marry this person or be their boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm just saying, do I want to see them? Do I want to spend time with them again? Just once more. And if the answer is yes, that's all you need to know. You invite them to another time. If they say no or they don't respond, fine, you move on. If they say yes, you follow up and you do it. And then you ask yourself again. And you just keep doing this until the answer is no. Maybe the answer, or the, should I say, maybe the question might change a little. You might go, do I want them as a friend or something more at this point? You've seen them a few times and maybe there's no physical interest, but you do like them as a person. So you might ask, do I want to hang out with them as a friend one more time? And later on you have to set boundaries about the nature of this relationship. But this just one more time thing takes the pressure off the long term. And also for those of you who are needy, it kind of takes away the, the allure of the long term. This isn't like, do I want this person? Is it my husband or my wife? How do I make them like me? You just go, no, no, no. It's not making them anything. Do you want to invite them out to see you one more time? Is that it? Because that's all you need to know. Brings me to a, a very important point, I think. I used to think this is especially for men, but or straight men, but I think it goes for women as well. And that is that physical attraction should be viewed as a preference, but not a decider, not a deal breaker. What I've found is that fear of abandonment will use physical attraction as a way to push people away, or as a way to be needy. So somebody will see someone they're attracted to and go, oh my god, she's a goddess, it doesn't matter what she's like personally, I want to marry her. And that's like the needy version, the clingy version of, of fear of abandonment. And then the avoidant person will be like, yeah, she's pretty, but she's got like a freckle on her ear and 
Her ass isn't as big as I usually prefer, and they start to push people away on these tiny points of physicality. But you got to think about it. What the fuck does their attraction or their, their physical appearance have to do with their quality as a human? It tells you nothing at all. Really nothing. Perhaps their hygiene might tell you a little bit about self-respect, but ultimately, if they're even somewhat physically attractive, that's all that really matters for a romantic connection. Okay? If they're interesting enough to just see one more time, that's all you need to know. Now, if you think, oh my god, they're so hot, just relax. That doesn't tell you everything. Okay, and that that hotness is not going to bring any real value to a relationship. All right, because once you're once you're in love with someone, you'll find them attractive. You don't need to worry about that. You'll want to have sex with them. It won't really matter what they look like. So you got to ask yourself, why does it matter to me so much what they look like? You know, I was just talking to a client recently, and he's dating this clearly this great girl. But she doesn't quite have the bosom and the ass that he likes. He likes a more hourglass figure and she's more slim. And I said, well, what what extra value does the hourglass figure bring to a relationship? The answer, of course, is none. There's nothing about that. Now, there's personality traits that make a big difference or behavioral patterns that make a big difference. But how someone looks won't make much of a difference to how good of a partner they are. So while you can allow physical preferences to be somewhere on your radar, be prepared for your ideal person to maybe not be the exact match you're looking for, as well as being prepared for that stunning person to not be the person you should be in a relationship with. It's really important because I think this is one of the biggest mistakes people make. They get into relationships based on physical attraction, and by the time they're made of commitment, it's too late to realize, hey, you guys didn't actually have a real connection, and now you're fucked. And of course, the other way around, somebody pushes someone away because of some minor physical flaw, and they actually just pushed away an amazing partner who they would have been attracted to and sexually interested in if they could just get over their fear of abandonment. So you've got to watch for that push-pull of a fear of abandonment while you're dating. You'll notice if things start getting deep and meaningful and you feel just a smothered feeling like hot and panicky and you just want to get this person away they're just getting too intimate you just want your space just breathe into and go look just one more time do i want just one more time yes okay i'm not smothered i'm not controlled this doesn't have to last more than one more time i'm free to choose and if you're feeling needy and clingy and you're chasing and you're double texting and you're desperately trying to make them like you just relax breathe go look i'll invite them to see me one more time and then leave it with them and move on the key element that i found worked best for me with dating that led to me finding my wonderful wife was trying to push people away with honesty i was actively dating at the time that i met my wife and i was trying to be very very honest with every girl i went on a date with and Lucy responded the best to that. While the others were okay with my honesty, they didn't reciprocate like she did. They didn't give it back and, and kind of surprise me with it, and they weren't as accepting of who I was than she was. So I learned to push people away with honesty, and what this means is to be so honest with people that they're forced to either love or hate you. 
You show them everything about yourself. All the dark stuff, all the insecurities, all your hopes and dreams and aspirations and strengths. Just be totally shameless about everything negative and everything positive. Now, before dating, you should have done the work to the point where you're responsible for yourself. So you won't be talking about any of your insecurities like a weak little victim who needs saving. You'll just be like, yeah, I've got this habit and I do these things wrong, but I'm on top of it. You'll just be talking about it as, you know, someone who's got their shit sorted, but as a normal human with faults and weaknesses. And you want the kind of person who's going to go, wow, me too, or I totally get it, yeah, tell me more, and here's something about me too. That's what you're looking for. You're using this honesty to quickly end any potential connection that's not good for you, and to quickly identify those that might be wonderful. One way to frame this is to act like you're already going out, like you're already married or long-term partners, and there's nothing to lose, nothing to hide anymore. And I got into a habit when I was dating, I'd show up to a date, and I'd be talking to them like we'd been hanging out for years, and we were already totally comfortable with each other. You know, I wouldn't change my tone of voice. I notice some guys, when they go dating, they talk differently to their date than they would their friends or their parents. Just talk to them the same. And talk about the same stuff you'd talk about with your best friends. You know, let them judge you and think that you're weird and that your sense of humor is disgusting or whatever. Let them find all that stuff out real quick. I'd actually consider it a successful date if somebody left after half an hour because they didn't like you so much. You just saved yourself a lot of agony there. It's only half an hour wasted, not months or years. that comes from being fake and then gradually finding this stuff out. Because your ideal person is going to react to you with kind of a... When I think of how Lucy first reacted to me, she tells me this quite often. I was so clearly not meeting the criteria on whatever list she had at the time. You know, everything was kind of wrong. I was sort of rude and disgusting and lived too far away and didn't speak her language, but she was just compelled to keep seeing me. She couldn't help it, and all I was doing was just trying to be very, very honest with her. And she kind of couldn't get enough, the poor thing, and now she's stuck with me. So this honesty thing kind of, if you're with someone who's right for you, they're just going to be drawn in like a magnet. And if you're with someone who's wrong with you, they're going to be repulsed quickly and effectively. And you just got to be prepared to put up with that. Let them hate you. So the one who likes you has space to find you. That's why you've got to be prepared to be single forever, because otherwise you're going to get clingy and try to keep hold of people, even when they're not good for you. Do not make any commitments or any sort of acts of loyalty until you've found a really good one. So date abundantly, date openly. Let them know, yeah, I'm seeing other people. I'm just keeping my options open at the moment until I find a really good fit. And if they don't like that, well, okay, goodbye. Move on. This doesn't mean you have to be sexually promiscuous. You don't have to sleep around. But socialize a lot. Meet lots of people. Give everybody a chance. You know, if you're even just slightly interested in someone, ask them out. Don't take dating so seriously. In fact, like I was mentioning earlier in this, I think, don't even call it dating. Just call it spending time with people you're interested in. Be very, very honest, and, and if you're feeling sexual attraction or interest in someone, be honest about that. Be honest about everything. And when you click with someone, you'll know it. You'll want to see them again a lot. More than you want to see other people. And every time you're more honest with them, they're more honest with you, and it kind of blows your mind. 
and so on. The, the, these things will kind of show themselves to you. You won't have to look for them or make them happen. So they're not happening naturally, organically. If the people you're dating aren't clicking with you, don't keep dating them. When you ask yourself that question, do I want to see them one more time? If the answer's like, eh, then don't. Save that night of the week for somebody else. Be confrontational. Even if you're on a first date, nip anything in the bud early. If there's any line crossing, if the person disrespects your values or your boundaries in any way, don't let it pass just because it's early on or because you find them attractive. Jump right on it. Think of this as the groundwork for a relationship. You want to make sure that by the time you guys make a commitment with each other, you've already got boundaries setting down to an art. You don't want to start setting boundaries when you're in a relationship after months of dating. You want to get onto that stuff early. I know a couple, I won't say who they are, but they were together, I think, four or five years before they realized that one of them wanted children and the other one absolutely did not. It's such a deal breaker. Neither of them could move on their position. So they really should not have been in a relationship together. As much as they liked each other, that was just too much of a deal breaker to be in a long-term, committed, loyal, romantic relationship. They should have ended that in the dating period. They should have been talking about whether or not they want kids. Which brings me to the qualifiers. We're going to talk about this when we get into the relationship section a bit more, but there's certain things you want to make sure are there before you even consider having the relationship talk. First off, you're inspired to be a better person when you're with them. They pick you up. They don't try to change you or fix you. But they actually help you be the person you know you're supposed to be being, the person you wish you were more of. Like, I love being a masculine leader, and I found that when I was with Lucy, I just I just felt like being more masculine all the time. I wasn't kind of lethargic and neutral like I, I often be by myself. You want to make sure that if you guys are working on yourselves, it's roughly to the same degree. You have roughly the same amount of interest in whatever you might call self-development as each other. If one person's like, nah, I'm going to stay the same for the rest of my life, and the other person's like, fuck yeah, I've got to constantly upgrade, that's going to be a problem. That's why it's important that when you're dating, you meet people in the space that you live your life. You know, I met my wife at a dance workshop and I went there because I like dancing. I didn't go there to meet women. Are you doing hobbies? Are you exercising in a social way? Are you working where you want to be working? Because you're going to meet people that are good for you and, and activities that you love doing. And so if you're working on yourself, developing yourself, you're going to be doing the activities that are relevant to that. And you can kind of save yourself the hassle by meeting someone who's also there for the same reasons. There's no point in you being a hardcore CrossFit person and then trying to meet someone at the ice cream shop. If you meet someone way out of your zone, like I used to go nightclubbing all the time and I fucking hate nightclubs and I'm not a big fan of drinking. So who am I going to meet there? I don't know, but it's not going to be my kind of person. It's not going to be someone like me. Unless they're there and they don't want to be there. And that's a very unlikely chance. This is why I just despise online dating. People are just there to date. It's a terrible reason to be anywhere. You're much better joining like four different social hobbies groups than online dating and meet the people there and invite them out to coffees and just it all naturally spontaneously happens. Another qualifier you want to be looking for is 50-50 investment. You want to look, are they putting in the same effort that I am and vice versa? 
when you text them? Do they text you back? Are they as enthusiastic to see you as you are to see them? Are they as honest as you are? Do you guys respect each other equally? Do you treat each other with equal kindness? These things don't have to be 100% exact. And of course, there's the whole love languages thing. People kind of give in different ways. But you want to be very wary of a big imbalance. Like, are you doing all the initiating and all the work? That's not good. Do they seem to be obsessed with you and you're just kind of into them? That's not good. You want it to be roughly 50-50. It wants to feel like you're both building up together, not like one of you is dragging the other one along, or one of you is doing all the work. Another qualifier is to put an end to any games that either of you play or have played in the past. One of the reasons I think most people struggle with dating is because they just use so much strategy and play so many bullshit games. They hide and they deceive and they, you know, you can't text for three days, you want to keep them mean, keep them keen or whatever the fuck, right? People play all these games and when it comes to forming a real great relationship with someone, there can't be this bullshit, not this gameplay. So there needs to be a point where you sit down and have a discussion, either in reaction to someone playing some tricks or just as a preemptive talk. We go, look, let's agree to not bullshit each other. If you want to call me, just call me. I'll call you if I want to call you. If we want to see each other, let's just see each other. Let's just be open and honest about how we feel each other. Take the risk. And if either one of us decides we don't feel it anymore, just say it bluntly to the other person. And the other person can just take it and accept it. And we don't have to, like, dance around this thing and hurt each other's feelings by bullshitting. Now, they might play games with you at the start. This doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad fit. They just, you know, they're carrying baggage and maybe it's through you that they'll end it. Both Lucy and I have have confronted each other on various pieces of behavior that we used to do with other people and come to an agreement not to do it with each other. So give them a chance to change, but don't tolerate someone who doesn't change. Someone's always kind of guilt tripping you to get what they want and you say, look, no more guilt trips. Just be open and honest with me. And then they guilt trip you again. That's a deal breaker. They haven't really changed even if they promised they would. Before you think about committing to someone, you want to see how they react to stress and pressure and shock. You don't want to commit to someone just when you've only seen their light side and when things have been good for them. Now maybe nothing bad happens to them during the dating period, but ask them about the bad things that have happened in their life. That should be a natural conversation that occurs anyway if you're a good fit. How did they react to things going wrong and to stuff being too overwhelming and hard and to big bad things happening unexpectedly? How do you react to them, I guess, as well? But like I said, in the preparation stage, you should be managing the stuff pretty well by now. And lastly, before you even think of a relationship, you have to like them so much that it doesn't matter if they don't improve. It's a key qualifier. That's kind of the doorway from dating into relationships. Like, if this person never improved, they just stayed the way you know them to be now, that's good enough. You're happy with that. If you need them to change some things and be better, then you're not a good fit or your standards are too fucked or something. But you shouldn't be getting into a relationship. Assume they won't. Okay, assume they won't improve. And if you're cool with that, then it's time to start talking about a relationship. So let's move on to that. Key question, even if they were depressed or chronically ill, I'd want to be with them. If the answer to that is yes, now it's time to talk relationships. 
A key element to relationships that a lot of people fuck up is they don't sit down and clearly agree on the terms of the relationship. They kind of just hope that the other person also sees relationships the way they do and that they, this doesn't really need to be discussed. They just kind of fade into a relationship or blend into one without a clear line between we were dating and now we're committed and a discussion to go with that. Actually, multiple discussions. Before you guys really go, okay, we are definitely together and we're not going to be with other people or whatever it is, you need to figure out what does that mean? What's the difference? What do we expect from each other? What are the boundaries? What do we need to know before we dive into this thing? Because you want to go all in excited, like nothing's going to come out of the woodwork and fuck this up. No, nothing's going to come around the corner and surprise me. I know everything I need to know and I like what I know. Let's get into it. Never commit just to keep them. Huge mistake I see needy people make is that they'll agree. I did this so many times. I, I'd agree to be somebody's boyfriend and it felt too early for me and I didn't really know them well enough. and I felt like pressure from other people to do it. But I was scared that if I didn't do it, I'd lose them. What I've learned since then is, hey, lose them. If they won't accept you taking the time you need to figure it out, end it. And don't manipulate them. Don't string them along or try to force them to accept a casual relationship when they want something more. Just say, look, I can't give you what you're looking for. Let's end it. Don't even allow them to be strung along. If you guys are in different places about relationships, then you shouldn't be in one together. There's billions of people out there. You'll find someone else. There needs to be boundaries that are sexual, boundaries that are behavioral, boundaries that are social, even boundaries that are financial. There needs to be a discussion that talks about protecting your own self-integrity, each of you, protecting the attraction you have for each other and making sure nothing fucks up the relationship, protecting the connection you have, making sure everything's good between you or at least open and honest and respectful and all the things you guys believe in compassion whatever and to protect each other how you expect each other to behave when there are threats to the relationship and so on so let's talk about whether you're monogamous or polygamous what kind of level of flirting with other people is allowed and how you should treat each other when you're alone when other people are watching is there a difference what you want to be allowed to do and not pressured to do and all that kind of stuff. What needs to happen for you guys to still feel the spark between each other and not kill that. And what kind of freedoms of time and space do you want and need? What do you want from the other person? So on. All this stuff needs to be talked about openly. And so few people do it. They get into marriage and kids and they still haven't had that fucking discussion. Not directly. Just in bits and pieces and miscommunications and arguments but not a full-on you could write it down like a contract style of discussion because there's a few tough discussions you need to have before you can be sure that the relationship is going to be say worth traveling overseas for like i did in no particular order one of them has to be money how will finances be managed how will you discuss finances how will you share them or not share them who's doing what with what money and other resources, cars, properties, everything. Kind of like the prenuptial agreement style of a conversation. Which doesn't mean you can't share stuff, but you have to be very clear on what the boundaries are. There are so many people who don't get a prenuptial agreement before a marriage because they're scared that the other person will be offended, and then they get absolutely divorce-raped. 
they get bent over because they were too scared to have that discussion. you got to be able to have these kind of discussions. My first financial discussion with my partner was awful. The second one was pretty bad. One after that was just a bit bad. And it just got better and better over time. And now we can talk about money fairly calmly and easily. You know, and the only reasons it was difficult is because we'd never really had those kind of discussions very well with other people before. And we're just not used to it. But it was painful and we had to get through them. And now it's all very good and open and clear between us. We share everything really well. You need to have a tough discussion about values. What are your values? You should know that before you even begin dating. What are the deal breakers for you when it comes to values? Like, what happens if she's dishonest or disrespectful or makes fun of you in front of your family or hurts one of your friend's feelings? What will be the consequences to that kind of behavior? Are you guys clear on that about each other? And also understand this might be the end of the road. If one of you values honesty and the other one's like, nah, I prefer to keep shit to myself, that's a disaster waiting to happen. If you guys have very different ideas around what monogamy is or what respect is, that's going to lead to big problems. It doesn't mean you can't have different ideas, but you need to come to an agreement and a boundary about what's allowed and what isn't. What about your life goals? Too many people put off that discussion as well. And they end up sort of diverging, going on different paths. Like the worst one is somebody wants kids and the other one doesn't. That always ends in disaster. Either someone feels forced to have kids, or the relationship ends with bitterness and resentment and lost time and opportunities. If your life goals include traveling around the world and you're with someone who doesn't want to leave their hometown, that's a problem. If one of you can't change those goals, genuinely, wholeheartedly, willingly, then you shouldn't be together. And a great discussion to have, it's a fucking hard one. My girl and I, we had to have about two or three discussions to get through it. But this kind of letting the skeletons out of the closet. Imagine there's something secret about you that might kill the relationship in the future. So get it out of the way now, just in case, so you guys don't waste time and feel you know, resentful and bitter at the end. So you can have a discussion where you go, look, here's everything about me that I could think of that might make you not want to do this. For me and my wife, it was before I was going to, was it? No, it was before she was going to come to my country. I later went to hers. But it was a big trip and it was a big commitment. And I said, look, let's talk about all the things that might kill this before you get on a plane. I told her, I can't even remember what I told her. The one I was most scared about was my history with drug use. Because she was very, very anti-drug use. That was a deal breaker for her. So I thought this will probably end it. Hers were so insignificant to me, I can't even remember them, really. She was scared of telling me them, but they were nothing to me. But the point was, after that conversation, I'm like, okay, you can fly over here now, because if you're cool with that stuff, I'm not worried that anything else about me is going to suddenly change things. And it's an excellent way of getting to know each other deeply. That one conversation probably got us through like 10 levels of depth quicker than you know six months of being with each other. But we had a history of being honest with each other in this way. We're constantly telling each other the, the truth as much as we could, just in case this wasn't going to work. We wanted to find out as early as possible. There's also some friction you might have to deal with. My girlfriend and I had a few things. 
One is we had the long distance problem. We lived in different cities and then we lived in different countries. And it was a great way of sort of figuring out whether or not we should be together because we'd had to want it bad enough to make that kind of commitment and that travel and manage the logistics, which were a fucking hassle. You guys will have all sorts of frictions. Maybe your families don't get along with each other or... Like in my case, I'm an atheist and my girl is Roman Catholic and her family's somewhere sort of religious, semi-religious. But it meant something like we didn't get married in a church. There were certain things that were going to be a dilemma for one or both of us and we kind of had to accept that and prepare for that friction in the relationship. We also have a language barrier. Right now I'm living in a country where very few people speak English. I had to be prepared for that and understand that that was the price to pay to come over here and be with her. You'll have to adopt each other's social circles. You know, if you've both got friends that you don't like, you have to ask yourself, can I handle this long term? The point is, sometimes your partner might be great, but there might be this friction in the external circumstances that are actually going to destroy things for you. Like, if your partner has, I don't know, really abusive parents and forces you to go see them twice a week, you know, that might be too much for you. You might not be able to watch that. Or if your partner has drug addicts as friends, and they're always coming around and stealing stuff, and she's not willing to get rid of them, that might be too much, even if she's great. Or your religions are just too different, too conflicting. One of you's going to get hurt. It's just not worth it. So you've got to manage the friction. Mostly managing friction is about acceptance. It's not compromise, but choosing. Going, okay, I choose to go live in another country. Or I I choose to go to church. Or I choose to put up with that annoying friend. I'm going to choose it to be with my partner. Not, I'm forced to have this. I must put up with it. As soon as you start thinking like that, you're going to get resentful and bitter and it will poison the relationship. Nobody's forcing you to do anything because you can always leave. So if you're staying, you're choosing it. And make sure you frame it that way. Now, the key to really a great relationship is to look at it as a partnership. You two are working together to ensure that each other has an awesome life. That's it. That's the secret to a great relationship. Your focus is to make her life better, and her focus is to make your life better. And in a way where it suits you, not you're trying to change the other person to suit yourself. But you're trying to help them become the person they want to be. And vice versa. So it's not about you getting your way or her getting her way. It's about you both doing things in a way where you both benefit. And always looking for that option. Because that option's always there in any way that you do something. Where you live, how you manage money, how you socialize, your sex life. There's always a way that's best for both of you. It's not like one person has to lose and the other has to win. I think Jordan Peterson said, you know, if you want to lose your wife, just win every argument. And you've got to understand freedom is a choice. Well, freedom is choice. So you've got to turn off your autopilot. Choose carefully. Don't just say, yeah, nah, whatever, fine. And get yourself into a rut where you're like, I don't want this life. Be there for the big decisions about the life that you have together. As long as you're part of the choosing process, you might sort of sacrifice what you wanted for what she wanted and so on, occasionally. But as long as you're there going, okay, I choose to... Accept the situation as it is, not like, oh, how did this happen? 
then you're not going to feel that panicky overwhelm that comes from thinking, oh, I've lost my life, I've lost my freedom, I've compromised. There shouldn't be any compromise, there should just be cooperation. And if you two are a good fit for each other, compromise won't be necessary. You'll both have the same kind of things in mind and you'll have a desire to make it work for each other. You won't be trying to beat each other. I see partners in a relationship where they try to win the argument. I mean, if you're trying to win the argument, you're completely fucked. You should be trying to make sure that the argument ends with both of you feeling better about life. Anything less than that is pointless. And it just means you're trying to beat your partner so that they lose. What a horrible thing to want. And also, identify what should be done together and what should be done separately. There should be a mixture of both. You need independent lives and then the life you have together. Now, the better fit you are, the more of that stuff will be together, but there should be some stuff you do separately. If nothing else, just so you've got something to fucking talk about. Something to interest each other. And then, once you've set up all these kind of parameters, you've had all the big discussions, you know each other really well, you still want to be with each other desperately after all of this stuff. You know, you've made it through all of this, this kind of gauntlet of barriers and boundaries and preferences, and you come out the other side going, yep, let's stay together. From there, it just becomes maintenance. So here's some maintenance tips to keep in mind. One, honesty deteriorates with time, so you need to keep reinvigorating it. And what I mean by this is as you get complacent and comfortable, you'll be less inclined to rock the boat. You won't want to say things that might ruin everything. So you start holding stuff back. You've got to catch that out and bring it out. And there should be some discomfort in your conversations every week. A little bit of like, oh, she's not going to like this, or here we go, here comes another fucking disagreement. Should be at least a little bit of that every week. At least then you'll know you're keeping the honesty fresh. Because if you feel comfortable for months at a time, one of you is lying. Simple as that. Maintaining a relationship is just about little efforts every day. You don't need to do big grand gestures. But little things. Sexual flirting, surprising them with gifts, paying attention to them, caring for them when things are tough, doing little projects together, just talking. It's very little effort every day, and it pays off. Most relationships deteriorate as one or both become complacent. That 50-50 balance starts swinging towards one side or the other. Quite often I find one partner's doing all the work while the other one's just cruising. That's a disaster. You should always be every day just a little bit of effort. Another one is you want to call out potential threats and deal with them head on. You know, you want to stamp out any fires. Anything that might be threatening to the relationship, don't avoid it. Don't hope it will go away. Don't go, oh, I've got to pick my battles. Stamp on every single one of those things. Confront straight away. Deal with it boldly and honestly. You don't like the way she's flirting with someone? Talk about it. You're not making as much money as you thought about you thought you were going to make this month and you're not sure how she's going to react, tell her about it. The mum's starting to piss you off, tell her about it. Get it all out there right away, don't let it build up and fester. Entire families have been destroyed by little things that went unchecked. Protect and support each other. Understand that your partner's success is your success and vice versa. And if you both understand that and agree on it, And basically you're going to be with someone who's constantly trying to make you better and you'll be trying to make them better. But this does not mean trying to fix them. Okay, this doesn't mean trying to make them in your image. Trying to force them to be something that they're not. 
It means supporting them, protecting them, encouraging them, giving them someone to hug when shit's down and pushing them a little harder to be disciplined to what they know they should be doing. As I've already mentioned, another one is to maintain some separateness, interests, hobbies. Have things that you might do side by side, but you don't do them together all the time. Have things to develop, elements of your personality that don't require each other. Whether it's socializing or hobbies or projects or work. If it's all together all the time, you essentially mold into one person. There's no tension, no healthy friction, no interest. So there should be some separateness. It's pretty good to miss each other sometimes. Keep the conversation going. Share even if it's meaningless. If you've got nothing good to say, then just say whatever the next best thing is. Don't babble incessantly, but conversation always helps. Huge amount of divorce and breakups come down to just failed communication. One or both parties just shuts down and you stop knowing each other. Share all the little aches and pains and thoughts and stuff. There's certain things I know that my girlfriend's going to roll her eyes. I keep saying girlfriend, my wife. I know she's going to roll her eyes when she hears it because it's just one of my pointless stories that I should be telling another guy and not her or whatever. But I'm not put off. I say it anyway because if I stop talking, we're in trouble. I'd rather annoy her or make her just go, oh, Danny, what are you doing? Then like keep quiet to avoid that little critique. It can help to be debriefing each other as well. My girl and I, we do this kind of unofficially. In the morning, we just give ourselves, give each other a little update on what's going to be happening. And in the evening, we talk about what did happen. It's not strict or rigorous, but we kind of just keep up to date on what's happening with each other. Everything from the internal, like moods and thoughts and feelings, through to work and busyness and everything that's happening. Just kind of keeping your finger on the pulse. You don't want to get to like the end of the week and like, what the hell she been up to all week? That's a bad sign. It doesn't mean you have to check in and control and micromanage each other. It's just stay on top of what each other's got going on. It's really helpful. And then you've got to do your own work by yourself as well, which essentially is about journaling. How are you handling things? What are you avoiding and that bothers you? You know, What do you appreciate? Keep refreshing your gratitude for your partner. What's three things you like about her? Write that down every day. And if something about her is annoying you and you haven't spoken about it, go talk to her about it. Keep on top of all this stuff. Is stress building up in you? Are you starting to feel pressure? Are you bored? Be wary of these things. Face the truth about them. Notice them. Talk about them. Journaling helps you keep track of this stuff before it becomes, you know, dangerous to the relationship. This you're going to have boredom or disinterest or various forms of pain, pressure, stress come up from being in a relationship. That's normal. It's not a problem. It's a problem when you hide it or pretend it doesn't exist and suppress it, and then it explodes one day. That's a fucking problem. Having problems with each other isn't a problem. That's called being in a relationship. And as long as you can talk it through with some rationality and love and compassion, it won't be anything more than just a conversation. It'll be fine. Wrap up with some troubleshooting and then some key principles. So troubleshooting, there's three or four things that are likely to happen that are going to be difficult to manage in a relationship. One is fluctuating or dying sex life. A sex life can go up and down, and does in terms of relationships, it goes up and down for everybody. 
Sometimes there's waves of lust for each other, and then other times you're like, shit, it's been a whole week, what the fuck's going on? And that's normal, but it's often dealt with poorly by people. So there's some things you can do to just kind of keep things moving. One is, be wary of too much affection. If you're the type that's touching and cuddling all the time, and you're kind of naked together all the time and you spend all your time together and you're very loving and affectionate and compassionate the problem is that can actually kill the sex kind of vibe a little bit there needs to be some tension some spark for sex so maybe just try not touching each other for a while or try spending some time apart and missing each other a little bit and or teasing each other but not finishing build up some tension sex can be affected by how you're feeling in fact, it's severely affected by how you're feeling. Often, a poor sex life can be a result of depression or stress that's building up. So quite often, what's happening in your sex life is like a measure of how well things are going in the rest of your life. Basically, if your sex life's going well, it's probably because you're going well in general. If it's going poorly, then maybe you're not taking very good care of yourself. What are you eating? How well are you exercising? Are you socializing? How's work going? These are things that need to be addressed. And then the other thing can happen where because the sex life isn't happening, you feel a lot of pressure to perform. Like, shit, I better do something to save this relationship. Well, you can just reduce the pressure by just like, okay, let's just be intimate. Let's touch. Let's have a bath together. Let's massage. Let's flirt and play. It doesn't have to be full penetration every time. Just sexuality between you. Be a masculine and a feminine. Have that spark, that tension. You don't have to put on a show. It doesn't have to always end in an orgasm. But something needs to be happening. When you start to feel like flatmates, there's a problem. A big one. Another trouble that you might have come up is interference from people on the outside. Friends, family, even work colleagues. There are a lot of people who are going to have opinions on how you should have a relationship or how you should behave in general. There will be people who don't like you even though they've never met you. I remember when I was first, like, uh, we were deciding whether or not Lucy was going to come back to New-, New Zealand, a lot of her Czech people were really unsupportive of that. So these people who had never met me were basically telling her, no, don't do it, leave him. Which was really tough for me to deal with, because I'm on the other side of the world, there's nothing I can do, I'm kind of fighting an invisible enemy. And they were doing it, in my opinion, for all the wrong reasons. They were trying to control her, whereas I just wanted her to choose what was best for her whether that was to be with me or not. So you're going to have interference from people, and you've got to understand, one of Lucy's friends put it really well, once you're committed to each other, you're now a new family, the two of you together, and everyone else needs to just back the fuck off. You need to prioritize each other. If you're going to go in on this thing, if you've done all the other steps right, you got your shit sorted, you had high standards, you did all the qualifying, you're not doing this for unhealthy reasons, you're a great fit for each other, well then you can prioritize each other. Other people's needs and wants and opinions need to be deprioritized. Don't let family, friends and workmates fuck with your relationship. And don't let hers do it either. Protect the relationship. And don't let your spouse go unprotected. If there's someone getting in her ear, just talking heaps of shit and making her you know, self-esteem go down, don't go, oh, well, that's her problem. No, it's your problem now. All problems are shared in a relationship. There's a beauty in that. You don't have to face anything alone again. But you've got to step up. 
protect your partner. There was a guy who was kind of fucking with our wedding a bit. Long story, but I won't go into it. And, you know, my girls are stressed out. So I made the phone call to him. One less phone call, one less confrontation for her. And sometimes she does stuff for me, especially anything that requires speaking check. We try to protect each other. We confront anybody who gets in our way. I've even confronted her parents. Don't let other people fuck with the relationship. You can let people in. Don't be one of those controlling, abusive freaks who tries to isolate their partner. Everybody's allowed to be with your partner. They're just not allowed to fuck with the relationship. That's where you step up. Don't let interference go unchecked because voice of poison whispering in your partner's ear could be the end of things for you and you guys are actually great together. There's a lot of people that might not want you to be together for their own selfish reasons. Another trouble that you might face is just the panic of being in a relationship, especially if you're afraid of commitment like I was. It's kind of loss of freedom, you know. We live a very long time these days. You might get married at 30 and go, fuck, 70 years together? Jesus Christ, I'm not sure I'm still going to love her then. And this panic comes in, or you got kids and a job and responsibilities, and you're like, holy shit, what the fuck have I got myself into? And people can do really stupid things with that panic, from something as mild as developing a porn addiction through to cheating, gambling, premature kind of breaking up with someone, violence, all sorts of crazy shit can come from just this panic. But that same thing that got you through dating will get you through the relationship. You're allowed to leave at any time. Never tell yourself anything different. You're not stuck. You're choosing to be there. One day at a time. Can you do one more day? Can you do one more week? That's the only obligation you ever have to face. Make sure you give each other space and know how to ask for space. There's always an ability to kind of detach and just get their freedom. Maybe it's just something small like going for a walk or maybe it's some sort of ritual boys weekend away or maybe it's just locking yourself in your study to do some drawing. And vice versa, make sure the other person has that freedom as well, that you guys can always just take a break and it doesn't have to be this big overwhelm. And remember overall that honesty is freedom. As long as you can always be honest about everything, you'll never feel like you're there unintentionally. It'll always be a choice to be there. And as long as it's a choice, it's fine. You can be locked up in prison and not panic as long as you chose to. You imagine one of those programs where you can volunteer to be in prison. None of those people go, oh fuck, let me out. Because they chose to be there. Yeah, the people who didn't choose to be there are freaked out by it. So choose to be there if it feels like a prison sometimes. You know, and then see if you still want to be there. If you're like, eh, it's alright in this prison. Then maybe it's not a prison at all. Maybe it's alright and you just had a little panicky moment. Now, if you feel like that all the time, even though you know you could leave, well then leave. It's not right for you. One trouble is conflict. Often you might not have develop the skills needed to have healthy conflicts or confrontations by the time you get into a relationship you need to learn i've got a whole course on that you can ask me about it managing conflicts and confrontations but make sure you're good at having confrontations okay get better at it don't leave anything unresolved make sure by the end of it you both feel like you're closer connected and that you come to an agreement about something always try to see the other person's point of view always try to help them rather than get what you need without letting people cross your boundaries. It's a skill that you need to develop. And the last one, if being together totally sucks, just break up. It's real simple. So to finish off, key principles. 
One, get yourself right first. Before you even start dating, get to the point where you're okay with just being alone. Two, push with honesty. Throughout the entire process of knowing someone, constantly try to push them away with honesty. If they stay and you like them, you've found a good fit. Three, prioritize integrity over the relationship. You being who you're supposed to be, speaking your mind, living by your values, should always be first place, even if it means destroying the relationship. Everybody will be better off if you prioritize integrity. Number four, stamp out all the fires. Confront early and confront hard. Don't let anyone or anything fuck with this relationship or the dating process or anything. Don't let anyone cross the boundary even a little bit. Talk about it. Address it. Call it out. Number five, especially with relationships, remind yourself of gratitude. Assume your partner's going to die soon. What do you notice about them then? What do you appreciate about them? What are you glad that you got to experience because of them? Those are my thoughts on relationships. There's probably a lot more, but I wanted to keep this down to about an hour. Get in touch if you've got any thoughts or questions about your own situation when it comes to relationships. And of course, if you want more personalized support, I'm here for coaching, both for people who are single and those in couples who are wanting support. And enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers. 